You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And this is 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Jolie. Joel. And I'm Josh. And I was going to make some sort of pun about Hawaii here, but I kept giggling uncontrollably at the mention of a poo-poo platter. <laughs> you said shit. Oh, sorry. I've, I've platter always makes me laugh. Platter. <laughs> All right. So this week we are doing Hawaii Five O, the original show and the remake. Yeah, and this is a pretty per, uh, important anniversary for us. This is show number 52. Yeah, one year with you guys. We've been doing this stuff. Oh, I thought it was because there were 52 cards in a deck. I get it now. What? Huh? I didn't get the significance of 52. I thought it was because it was cards in a deck. No, no, 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, I, I was trying to make it funny and it didn't work. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that where you were going with that? Shut up. I'm allowed to not be funny every now and then, you know. They can't every all be home runs. now and then? What? They can't all be home runs. Even Babe Ruth struck out every now and then. He's a baseball Not with the ladies. <laughs> or the hot dog vendors. <laughs> well, or if you'd end. like to hear more hot dog <laughs> vendor comedy, you can check us out at Musings of a Geek Network at musingsofageek.com. Uh, Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Or you can always download our archives at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe. Mike, if they uh, sign up for Blueberry, uh, I believe you have something new. Yes, we are now an affiliate on Blueberry. And if you go to Blueberry and decide that you're going to host your podcast with them and uh, work with them, they actually have some great analytics and things like that. You can go to Blueberry, sign up, and when they ask for a promo code, put in 40GO14. F, uh, 40GO14. And, uh, that's cool. us. That's us. And we'll get a little scratch. So if you want to start a podcast, you can go there, start it up, and uh, help us out. So thank you. We have a major itch, so we need scratching. Yeah, or calamine lotion. Just send something. Or some Benadryl. <laughs> uh, if you have tips to help us with itching, you can always call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. I don't nice even segue. want to know where <laughs> that's going to take us. I yes. suspect it'll get us another voicemail from Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, and the listener's going to call in with advice about itching. I don't know if I want that. Hey, speaking of listener, guess what? We got a voicemail right. from Red Ding Dong. <laughs> Yay! Ready? Here we go. That sounds like a different voicemail greeting. This is listener. Um, I don't know if it's just my poor cell phone reception, the headset, but it sounded like you could find us at 40 go fuck, 40, 40 go fuck you dot com. But then again, that was probably just the, uh, lack of cell phone reception for that brief moment when I was driving past that big three. Regardless, I'm only calling to say, cause I'm gonna end every voicemail now with butts to the front. With what? Butts to the front. Right. Butts to the front. Nice. Yeah, the classic 1980s movie starring Michael J. Fox. Classic. <laughs> I'm so glad I started using those 
Uh, I think we got one more voicemail, too. I just want to thank listener. I hadn't done my daily. What the hell? Well, <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking that was probably like a little bit of his schizophrenia kicking in you know, in the middle of like him listening to the show. Maybe. Just randomly inserting foul language into our podcast. Well, we don't need that. We put enough of it in. Yeah. We need- we, we're already coming over the broom with... Uh, God, there <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> anyway, we got another listener, uh, Luke, uh, who I hear wears Hawaiian t-shirts or shirts from Joel. Yep. All right. Well, he has a he has a voicemail for us too. Hey, so this is Luke from Chicago again, and at the risk of pulling an enemas, which I want to try to avoid doing, <laughs> I just listened to the Soda Show, and I have thoughts. First, I love that you mentioned Surge and glossed over Fago, as is the proper order of things. The uh, the the Magic Coke machine. So, I have on one or two occasions inquired about purchasing one of these machines. And I don't know, Coke, uh, Coke didn't want to sell it to you, uh, as a, as an individual. Um, I don't know if they assume you're going to go and like start a soup kitchen for soda or something and, you know, give out, you know, free wild raspberry vanilla. I don't know what, but we got a problem with it. So it, it, uh, it's actually bad for home use. We've got, um, we know somebody for a worker has one and they use it really heavily Monday, heavily Monday through Friday. It doesn't get used over the weekend. And apparently two days of not using the machine, you know, even though it's like some, you know, $9 million, uh, Italian design soda machine. So if you don't use it for 48 hours, it completely loses its mind. So yeah, but apparently they are making small ones. Um, some for smaller offices and I guess they're making a little one that looks like an iPad on a stick. And you're supposed to be able to have that at home, and you can make something stupid like four flavors, but still, it's better than nothing, I guess, for having to make it yourself like a hobo. Anyway, thoughts on the soda show. So you can make, like, regular diet, regular diet, and Sprite. What I want to know is what happens after 48 hours when this machine loses its mind? Does it just, like, stop dispensing soda, or does it start murdering temps? No, it it grows (laughs) a mohawk. It just starts taking over the world. (laughs) It grows a mohawk and kills uh, Mrs. Deagle. It gets very emo and turns into a cutter. Did you ever see War of the Worlds? It, it's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any uh, emails or anything like that this week? No, no, nothing Twitter? like that this week. Yep, Twitter's still there. Nothing on it, though. Been a quiet yeah, I don't remember if there's anything new. Yeah. And I totally forgot to ask people to tweet us, so I'm going to do that now. All right. Talk amongst yourselves. Hello, self. No. How are you? I don't like myself. I'm not talking to myself. Myself. There I'm friends with myself. I'm friends with yourself, too. We get I along dress, okay. I dress myself. <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> we need to get the pictures from the photo shoot out. We do. We did. Actually, oh, God, yeah. Those those need to see the light of day. We will. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm going to get the full, just to let you guys know. Listeners out there, you get to see what we look like. Yay! Oh, crap. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, we went out a couple weeks ago before Gen Con and did a photo shoot. Not the kind you're thinking. Crap. Kind of. Um, but <laughs> Well, there was some grabbing. There was some grabbing involved. Yes, yeah. There were things involved, and there were other happenings. But, um, yeah. We less did nudity than, than usual. Yeah. There was uh, lots of spiders. Lots of spiders, less nudity than usual, and some bats. Uh, but my uh, actually, my sister came out and uh, did a photo shoot for us, which... Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. And uh, she's going to post... Uh, she's going to get me the final picture pictures, and uh, we're going to post them on the webpage and on the uh, Facebook page page too so soon you will get to see what the enigmatic patrick looks like (laughs) he really is a wizard oh yeah (laughs) so shall we move on folks yes i think it's is it about that time it is that time it's 1980 
is a uh, is a year that we chose for this weekend because that was the year that Hawaii Five O ended. That's insane. Oh, I know. A twelve year run. That's insane. yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Despite starting in the sixties, it is kind of the archetype of the seventies cop show. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it ended. I mean, figured nineteen sixty eight. We wouldn't really have too much that we could identify with, so we went with nineteen eighty, the year it ended. And uh, let's see, Patrick has for us this year the song "Upside Down" by Diana Ross is number one, and he says, "Hey, that's nothing wrong with that song." Oh, that song sucks. Come on, man. This is this is just more proof of my theory that if you were a superstar in the seventies, your eighties music sucks. That's a pretty good theory. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with that. Thank you. I have to think about this. Uh, also, on September 4th in 1980, Yes performs for the last time at Monosodium Glutamate. Yes, <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> That's and good. It tasted amazing. <laughs> at uh, the acronym of the week, MSG. What would that be? Madison Seriously? Square Gardens. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. Cool. Sorry, I thought that. I thought that was obvious. I, that wasn't even well. Everyone, anyway. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll just say yeah. That you. was sure. That was the acronym of the week. Yes. Cool. And that <laughs> <laughs> wasn't okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with John Anderson as a man- member of the band. And then on September 6, 1980, Carrie Katona, singer for Atomic Kitten, is born. I don't know Atomic Kitten. Me either. You just found stuff, right? It's nice to oh, put yeah, it in there. Then. You know, it's something on the internet, and it means something to somebody. Okay. Well, it was a... Like, like, like uh, Mrs. Katana, her mother. You know, she, she might be happy to hear her give a shout-out. You never know. If you're Mrs. Katana's mother, <laughs> give us a call. Let us know that you liked us talking about your daughter on the air. At 708, now rap. Yes. Now you gotta, now you gotta tag her. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Carrie Katona. Um, also, movies. I'm gonna research Carrie Katona. <laughs> not oh. right now. That is not oh, good yeah. Reason. Hey, wow. You gotta and we've fallen in a wormhole. Yeah, sorry. You gotta do so, that too. Movies. Movies. Smokey and the Bandit 2 is the number one. Is it in a desert of summer movie releases? <laughs> yeah, that's setting the bar pretty low. Well, what was the other <laughs> choice? Was Xanadu? Was a week before? And um, the evil... It the... was a list of movies I've never heard of. That's how bad it You've is. You've never heard of the fiendish plot of Fu Manchu? No. What? I, I'm just... I'm sticking with what I said. That's all. Okay. <laughs> why, do, why do I have a feeling that Nick Cage is going to remake that movie at some point? I would so watch Nick Cage play Fu Manchu. I mean, I know he played it in the the uh, Werewolf Woman of the SS thing for uh, Rob Zombie and the Grindhouse movie, but I just I first I see this somewhere down the pike. Okay. It's Maybe. coming. And Michelle Williams, uh, Hankford Lama's baby mama. <laughs> I was gonna guess Howard Letterer. Who's Hankford Lama? Howie Long. <laughs> No, stop. Who's Hankford Llama? I don't know. It's just a, uh, He's the guy that made the, the animal. Yeah, he invented the llama, don't you know? That's uh, a Howard Letterer was for you, Pat. Thank you. I figured you'd be there with me. <laughs> Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Hashtag Ledger. Hankford Llama. Heath I want to see Ledger. that trending on Twitter next Michelle week. Williams, Heath Ledger's baby mama. No, it's Hankford Llama. I'm going with that. He's born on September 9th of 1980. That was a real <laughs> slow year, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> TV top shows for 980 are Alice, jeez, Mash, Three's Company, and the Jeffersons. And oh god, Love would... Hot of the Pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no Lord of no, the Hot Pants. Lord of the Hot Pants. That's what it is. <laughs> That was the acronym of the week. That one I right remember. There, that I remember when Lord of the Hot Pants had a cameo on the Jeffersons. That was <laughs> pretty much like Lord of the Rings, but with much more bright spandex. Yes, and less, you, you and got less the pants. letters a little bit out of order, but I, Lord of the Hot Pants is so funny. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> it's a Little House on the Prairie. Oh, oh, there were no hot pants in that. No, I don't see that no in the list. 
I have never seen an episode of Little House on the Prairie, and I'm very what? proud of that fact. Wow. Yeah, yeah my mom show, used to watch it. I never watched it. It's a, it's a good show. It really is. I have I have a bracelet that says W W. Uh, um, God, I just forgot his name. Damn it! Good joke. Shot to hell. <laughs> Who's the dad's name? Well, you're half right. <laughs> I know. What was the dad's name? Oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> if I could punch him. you all the way to Texas, I would. Uh, Michael Moving Landon. On. Michael Landon. Yeah, it's only my name. Um, <laughs> what would Michael Landon do? That was a long way to go for a shitty joke, anyway. Yeah, that's what September I said. September 7th is the 32nd Emmy Awards that nobody watched even back then. Taxi, Lou Grant, Ed Asner, Erzner, <laughs> and Barbara Belgettis win. I know three of those names. Who's Barbara Belgettis? The, the, the next line is the important part. Oh. It's actually pretty interesting. Notable for going ahead despite 51 of the 52 nominated perform nominated performers boycotting the event due to a strike members of by members of SAG. Oh. Yep. So everybody that's nominated doesn't show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That has to been like awkward all around. Every single time they're like, um, they're not here to accept their award in their stead. <laughs> and it's just one guy walking around with like 87 Emmys. <laughs> Jim like, J. Bullock. <laughs> Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> no one told Jim J. Bullock there was a SAG strike. I just won another award. It's, it's Jim J. Bullock and Abe Pagoda are the only two there yeah. collecting every award. That and Hubert Lama. <laughs> Hangford, Hangford Lama. Hangford Lama. Jim, well, Hubert is his brother. Get... Hubert's his brother. Yeah, that's why. He... Hangford, Hangford boycotted it. Yeah, Hangford boycotted it because Hubert was doing Smokey and the Bandit. Jim J, go get another award. Uh, oh, yay. You don't get to keep them, son. Livewire premieres on Nickelodeon. Uh, Nickelodeon was around in 1980? Apparently. I don't know. I don't know, man. What's Livewire? I don't know. I never watched it. I didn't know there was Nickelodeon. It was a kid's talk show. Yeah, I thought it was a soda. Oh, it was a soda. It is a soda. Someone out there won't remember what that was. Wouldn't yeah. you like to be a soda, too? Okay. No Green River. And Barnaby Jones ends. Oh. Never watched Barnaby Jones, either. I did. Yeah? No, I didn't. I watched Barney Miller, though. Oh, I love Barney Miller. No, Barnaby Jones was like Matlock. The funniest thing about Barnaby Jones was that they always expected you to believe that that fat guy was going to keep up in a foot race with anyone. See, that's Wait, not he funny didn't? to me because I don't know who that is. Yeah. Barnaby Jones was a rotund person, the actor who played him. It was like a, no, he, he wasn't. Was like a, Barnaby Jones was, was Buddy Epson. Well, then who am I thinking of? What was the show? that the, the, Jake and the, Jake the, fat, and the man. fat Man. Oh, not that one. No, there was oh. another one where, um, yeah, whatever. Never mind. Then if it's not the same one, then never mind. Meet the Ropers. <laughs> you're, you're Highway to Heaven. Here. I'm on the highway to heaven. Uh, fish. <laughs> now, Sorry, that I have was Michael a... Landon on the brain now. <laughs> that was a spinoff that didn't need to happen. Fish? Well, it didn't go anywhere. It was. I mean, he was great on, on Barney Miller. but It was an Abe Vigoda vehicle. How can you not <laughs> I know, him? but it was terribly written. You know, I, yeah, it was. I, it was that's kind of... Sports. That's, 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 a, that's very much a paradox, a, a poorly written Abe Vigoda vehicle. <laughs> A paradox. That's where you can land two boats. <laughs> okay, an eventful day in sports on September 6, 1980, from 1974 to 1980. St. Paul. St. Paul, Minnesota, Malacaster College lost 50 games in a row. Whoa. Wow. Some years a college author who was worse than ours. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it was a Cubs training camp. Yeah, the losing streak ended in a dramatic fashion on nine six eighty when kicker Bob K put a twenty three yarder through the uprights with eleven seconds remaining. Uh, McAllister College Scots beat Mount Cenero College seventeen to fourteen, and Mount Cenero College never heard the end of it. You did pretty good there. Thank you. Uh, There's the, two more. I know. At the ninety fourth U.S. Open Women's Tennis Championship, Chris. Shut up. Chris Mills beats Hannah Mandlikovia in three Hannah. sets. U.S. Open women's. That's another word for... Never mind. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chantel Langlis sets women's record for the fastest 100-kilometer run <laughs> in 7 hours, 27 minutes, and 22 seconds. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That is pretty fast. Yeah, 100 kilometers is a long way to run. Yeah. yeah. It's a long way to drive. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure I could do that. I could drive that in seven hours. You need a nap afterwards. Exactly. I'm, I have to stop and smoke and stop and take a nap somewhere at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, uh, so, on to the main show. That makes me giggle. <laughs> All right. Hawaii 5 came out in 1968. How many of us? How many of us recall watching it? I do. Not in '68. Well, not in '68. No. I've never seen the show before. Now. What? I'd, I'd only heard about it. Really? Yeah. Now, see, I had this weird thought in my head because I had recalled watching it when I was a kid, but it wasn't until I started looking stuff up and because I, you know, in my head it was like this old uh, cop show. And it wasn't until I looked it up that it was like 1980s it ended, so it's totally plausible that I was old enough to sit there and watch Hawaii Five O and remember it. Right. So, okay. So, cast. Well, first of 1968 to 1980 is uh, how long that show stayed on. Uh, Jack Lord as Detective Steve McGarrett and his delightfully tousled hair. <laughs> uh, James MacArthur as Dan Williams. Cam Fong as Chin Ho. And Herman Wiedermeyer as Duke. Wiedemeyer? Wiedemeyer. 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 Harry Endo as Che Fong. But you, you missed um, Kono. Was yeah, I, just yeah. Grabbed the first, I grabbed the first five that IMD listed. That's all. Yeah, okay. Kono was played by Zulu. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious when I saw that. I'm like, really? Yes, the guy Kono. He was only on for four or five seasons, then he quit. Well, yeah, I mean, he had an issue. He was a pretty well-known uh, stand-up comedian and entertainer in Hawaii. And he got a little tired of basically his role being Jack Lord's trained yes boss, no boss, basically playing the dumb Hawaiian guy. And he quit the show basically saying, uh, they have written my character as though I'm a trained animal. Yeah, he, he left. There isn't much on him. I mean, I, he had like a variety show for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I thought he was pretty good in there. I mean, he could definitely throw himself around. I mean, he was a good uh, like tank tough guy for the for the whole crowd. But um, some little some more trivia on Hawaii Five-0. Before we fully get into talking about it, it was the longest running crime show on American television until Law and Order surpassed it in 2003. Which just, still just blows my mind about a, a cop show set in Hawaii. Yeah. It's like Dog the Bounty Hunter. I also, we did, we skipped one fairly important uh, bit of casting, but it's because it isn't a series regular. Um, the lead uh, villain is a guy called Woe Fat, and he's actually in the very first episode, and he ends up being in the last episode as well. Oh, yeah. They uh, had, like, closure with him because he was apparently uh, Jack Lord's nemesis through the entire show. Yeah. Whoa. And originally, Cam Fong auditioned to play Woe Fat, uh, but he was instead cast as one of the cops. They thought he was a good enough actor that they wanted him as a series regular. Nice. So, but it, yeah, it still blows my mind. 2003, it took to find to get another show that would surpass Y50 as the longest running uh, cop show. Um, it wasn't until then that there was the Law and Order was the uh, next show to, un, to do an uninterrupted run that exceeded a decade. And uh, the other cool thing is that when the show premiered in 1968, Hawaii had only been a state for nine years and was relatively obscure to anybody who had not served in the Pacific Theater. But people knew of it, and it was kind of cool for them to get to see what Hawaii looked like. You know, hey, there's this new state we got. It's going to be 10. We should go over and look at it. Oh, boy, there's a new show about Hawaii. Let's watch it. Now it makes a little more sense because I was wondering, what's the appeal? When I you know, first started watching it and first heard of it even, you know, I'm like, Hawaii? 
Hawaii 5.0. What's the appeal of cops in Hawaii? But that makes yeah, a lot tour, more sense. Tourism just really took off, actually, after after this show. <laughs> I want to be murdered in Hawaii. Um, one of the, <laughs> Let's take our honeymoon in Hawaii. Welcome, one the, Dano. <laughs> one of the cool things that did actually also came from uh, a little bit of reading up on this is that Hawaii 5.0 was actually a a unit back in the 40s during World War II that was in Hawaii when there was martial law declared. So Hawaii 5-0 was actually a crime unit that was around back then. So Interesting. Yeah. And the, and the 5-0 stood for the 50 men that were trained to take the part of that in that militia. That I'm making up, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. No. <laughs> I was going to say 5-0, though, it's slang for police now. At the time, was just because Hawaii was the 50th state. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, this show was also uh, unusually progressive, partially due to the influence of Jack Lord, who insisted that local Hawaiians were used to play uh, a lot of the appropriate parts. Uh, the big exception would have been the guy who actually was cast to play Woe Fat, who uh, was pretty famous for playing various Asian characters, despite... Uh, the fact that he wasn't Asian at all. Uh, Wo Fat being a Chinese super spy, and this is the same actor, uh, played the mind control doctor in the Manchurian Candidate. Uh, he looked Asian because he was mixed Anglo, Egyptian, and Sudanese. He was, uh, born Kenneth Dickerson in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Dickerson, aka Woe Fat. Oh. <laughs> and if you saw him, I mean, he really looked like he was an Asian guy, but that's because he had that mix of various, like, apparently, if you have Anglo, Egyptian, and Sudanese ancestry, you can pass. That's like finding out that, like, you know, Takiro Kobayashi's real name is, like, Jim Turner. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, a like, lot of stuff on Jack Lord. Very much the philanthropist. Uh, did a lot of, lot of, uh... What does sex have to do with this? What? Remind me <laughs> never to ask you for a donation. <laughs> Apparently, they're all already over all over your house. I think what that means <laughs> is he was just giving it away. Yeah, he, well... Uh, uh, um, he actually has, if you go to New York, there's, uh, some of his pictures are hanging up in, uh, one of the, one of the galleries out there. I forget which one it was. So there you go. Uh, all, he was also offered the role of Captain James C. Kirk. I could see that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, any captain, but yeah. Yeah, they were going to replace Jeffrey Hunter uh, with uh, with Jack Lord. But then Jack Lord said, sure, I'll do it. I want 50% ownership. Ooh, <laughs> nice move, dude. I know. Talk about, <laughs> you're supposed to go slowly, you know. He's but, pulling a Downey Jr. Yeah. So <laughs> he asked for 50% of Star Trek and Roddenberry said no and gave it to Shatner. Ha! Hmm. Jack chose you. Turned out to be a genius move. Right. I don't know. I could buy it. Uh, hey, 12 seasons of Hawaii Five-0 is better than, you know, the, the few seasons of Star Trek that happened, although there's no Hawaii Five-0 convention. Yes, but you never, I mean, with him in the lead role, I mean, maybe it doesn't catch on like it did. True story. I mean, may, maybe that, like, can't be catchy, you know, campiness of William Shatner is what really turned the tide, you know? Who knows? Hey, uh, Joel? Yeah. Just because I want to, there is actually Mahalo Khan. <laughs> is there really? There is a Hawaii Five-0. Oh, no convention. way. Yes. I was totally kidding. That's hilarious. Yeah, That's that, awesome. I would totally go to MahaloCon. <laughs> After watching this now, I would consider it. Yeah. Uh, uh, while preparing for the show, we've all been kind of humming the uh, famous theme song, but uh, a little bit of trivia that it actually has lyrics. 
Oh, it does. That explains why there was a karaoke version to it. Yes. Well, there are two different set of lyrics. The first was by Don Ho, and it was called You Can Come With Me. And it apparently starts with the uh, familiar tempo in an instrumental and then settles into a ballad so Don Ho can sing. But later, Sammy Davis Jr. released it as You Can Count On Me and kept the uh, tempo of the original theme song throughout. That has got to be awful. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, are you queuing up Sammy Davis Jr.? You can count on me. I hope so. Oh, yeah, I am. I just had to turn my uh, speaker on. The... All right, ready? You know, I'm a fan of wow. Sammy Davis Jr., but that's awful. You're a fan of Sammy Davis Jr.? How can you not be? Sammy Davis Jr., man. He's awful. Right? He's a one-eyed black Jew. Yeah. <laughs> he's an entertainer, and he's short, and he's... He's, he's a candy man. Right? <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, I've never cared for him. That song right there reminded me of Bill Murray's lounge singer character. <laughs> yes, very Just much making well. up words as the uh, <laughs> instrumental plays in the background. Oh, <laughs> that is exactly what that That is like. that. Yes. That is what that is. Star Wars, if they should bar wars, please let them stay. All right. Yeah. So uh, another weirdness going on with the Hawaii Five-O thing is, um, well, not weirdness. This is actually pretty cool. After they stopped producing Hawaii Five-O, they had this huge studio there over in Hawaii. So they said, hey, we should do another show. So they did, and they called it Magna P.I. Hey. You know, I was going to bring up um, after this ended, I wondered if, if anybody else kind of felt like, you know, Riptide or Miami Vice or Magnum P.I. kind of somehow were linked loosely because, you know, shows based around. Well, they tried to link Magnum P.I. explicitly. They It was unofficially set in the same fictional universe, and they kept trying to get Jack Lord to come back and reprise his role in a cameo, and he just wouldn't do it. Yeah, He said, he said for 50% of the franchise, I will. <laughs> and they said, go do Star Trek. And then they tried to do a one-hour pilot for a new series in 1996, produced and written by Steve Cannell, who I don't know what it is. Who's Stephen Cannell? Stephen J. Cannell? Yeah, who is that? He's like the man that basically created the cop drama okay. of the 80s. Well, he apparently did something wrong with this one because he wanted Gary Busey <laughs> and Whoa. Russell Wong to be the new 5-0 team. I don't <laughs> know how that tanked. <laughs> Which... Oh, I <laughs> I was sad that I didn't see that before because I would have totally watched that pilot of that episode you know, if I'd have had the time. Right. <laughs> I think Stephen J. Cannell came up with Cop Rock, too. So, I mean, he's not like a winner, winner, chicken dinner all the time. But yeah. Oh, Cop Rock was awesome. Oh, Let's God. be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, I have this idea that I want Tom Selleck to do a Magnum P.I. movie and him to play the lead still, but make it like a modern day one. That'd be badass. I thought you were going to say you wanted Tom I'd like to do a musical. Oh, I'd watch that. Call it The Stash. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we want to talk about the actual episodes we watched. (laughs) Yes. I think we all watched the pilot. Yeah. And we're talking about. That was called Cocoon. Yes. Cocoon, not Full Fathom 5 or whatever it was. That you watched? No, I watched Cocoon. (laughs) He actually watched the movie Cocoon with Wilford (laughs) Brimley. And then I watched Batteries Not Included. Nobody's surfing in this. I don't understand this. We, yes, we have to do a Wilford Brimley show sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was Jack Lord. Anyway, anyway diabetes. But one of the things I found really interesting about this is it's like he's almost more than a cop, but slightly less than James Bond. 
it oh. had this like cop show meets international spy drama thing going the entire time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was definitely like not your average cop, you know, and a, a su- almost like, you know, a superhero kind, but not like a real superhero, superhuman. Well, yeah. And there was actually, he, he, even in the, the, the uh, pilot, they had him pulling some weights because there was that one guy in the show who kept going, you don't want to handle McGarrett like that. Right. You know, so he had a reputation from the outset of being the guy who, don't, you know, you just don't mess with. And I think that showed in the scene where he was being chased down by that other car. There's when that, you know, that brief chase scene when you realize that the cars back then were really, really heavy and you couldn't exactly do these cool <laughs> on the dime turns with them when you're driving a, uh, a, a, whatever the hell he was driving. Well, they were totally steel with no, uh, power steering. Yeah. And I just look, look, uh, watching them rock all over the place, too. <laughs> yeah. But he drives down the alley, cuts around the corner, and then the guy chasing him comes around the corner, and Jack Lord is just, well, Steve McGarrett is just standing there, leaning on his car, waiting for him to come around the corner, like, bring it. <laughs> like, how rushed must he have been to get out of the car and pose himself to look like he was so casual that's awesome i like steve mcgarrett i thought was a great character i mean he he definitely had that take no shit thing going on but he also i don't know he just i liked him i realized like watching the pilot why i had good memories of watching it when i was a kid this this pilot was like much more intense of a show than i expected well it started out with the gimp yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the hell that was a crazy interesting <laughs> intro like I was, the screen you know they peel the face back and the scream i'm like okay yeah. that What's was that really this much more intense than I and there, i won't lie it was there was halfway through it i i paused it and i'm like am i watching the right thing <laughs> I was freaked out. I'm like, what year was this again? Because it just it felt really almost like modern television as far as what they were doing. Um, and and I just I just remembered something. Um, you were talking about him trying to be on Star Trek. Uh, did you real or did you remember that at the very opening scene when they're checking the little statistic thing on the guy that's in the water, the sound that it was making was the exact same sound that they use in Star Trek for the tricorders. Oh, they had a there were the, a bunch of Star whatever. Trek noises in that room. I, I only noticed the one, and that just it it I never made the connection until you mentioned that just a minute ago but anyway yeah that suit was crazy creepy yeah the suit was creepy the all of them i mean all of it was pretty damn weird um and let's see i'm trying i'm going through my head i got the the gimp suit josh what about you i i just thought that the whole plot because yeah it starts pretty far-fetched like what's going on and it makes you want to figure out the mystery as garrett does and they explain it just a little bit uh, at a time. And uh, I think that the whole concept of se- sensory deprivation, which is it's eventually described that they're using basically like dental paste to cover over the eyes, nose and mouth, uh, leaving just enough to like breathe and talk and then putting them in this suit where they can't feel anything and then suspending them in water uh, that's exactly skin temperature so it's entirely sensory deprivation living in them in the there 70s was hours. somehow 94 degrees by the way what was that about he said i thought he said 96.2 yeah so i was i, I just noticed I was like how how was were they colder back then like <laughs> well it was the 60s so well they were in the suit yeah anyway sorry to no. interrupt but <laughs> no not at all um I, I just, I just was something that just really jumped out to me when i was watching the episode i was like what yeah no. and then uh in the course of attempting to figure out what the connection to the united states government and the uh red chinese intelligence community he uh, uh, steve garrett uh runs into leslie nielsen yes <laughs> who has not changed well who incidentally made a comeback in in uh, season seven on an episode called we hang our own oh really yeah cool. i guess he was a different character when he came back though well he was um the dad of uh i don't remember the whole thing but yeah he he did make a comeback though which i thought was funny 
we also got to see uh, Dano with his original casting because in the pilot uh, he was played by a different actor. Yeah, with who repeated himself all the time. Then, did you notice that when they were looking at the slides, whatever whatever um, uh, Jack Lord would say, whatever McGarrett would say, Dano would repeat right after that. That whole slide thing was just a weird cadence to his. It, it, it was very unnatural the way that he was talking during that whole scene. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. He kept repeating himself. He kept saying the thing, same thing over and over again. I just think that Tim O'Kelly probably wasn't a very good actor, which is why when the show was picked up, they replaced him with Jim MacArthur. That's yeah. probably very true. Uh, which is why you do a pilot. You know, you kind of work out the kinks and figure out, you know, which direction you want to go with things. So it makes sense. Something else was kind of weird. Why did McGarrett call it homicide? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It was a different time. But he was the only one that did it. <laughs> Everybody was else a, is like, was, you try to correct McGarrett. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You don't, I'm not you don't messing with him. Go around oh. correcting McGarrett, man. Oh, the problem was correcting Jack Lord. It's like, you're not pronouncing that right. I need 50% of your gross <laughs> in order to change my pronunciation. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Every had, negotiation started that way. <laughs> you homosexual. <laughs> He's in a restaurant. Like, do you have tuna fish? No, we don't have tuna fish. Get tuna fish or give me 50% of this restaurant. <laughs> So, uh, police work back then was uh, obviously uh, a lot different because he would find a little book and in order to keep it safe, he would wrap it in his handkerchief. He had a little plastic bag, but it looked like it used to have a sandwich in it. Yeah, that I mean, he, and then he put the uh, the pieces from the weird fireplace table tea room thing that he that that guy had in that. That was kind of strange. But um, and then did you notice the Wilhelm scream? That's <sighs> everywhere, man. It's was yeah. that when the uh, guy tried to uh, the Chinese assassin attempted to stab him and mm-hmm. he got shot. Yeah. Ah! Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Then Leslie Nielsen shows up, and that was awesome. I I was expecting so much weirdness to start happening the second he walked in the room. <laughs> Which I was reading a, a trivia about that. <clears throat> they said that his part was so short because even back then he was commanding, you know, a big salary at the time. You know, he's a big name, serious actor. Oh yeah. So they they had him in there to get the pilot going, but they couldn't afford to keep him very long. Yeah. And then they gave him his wife's sunglasses to wear. <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> Which apparently was like a thing because the other dude was wearing his wife's sunglasses too. I mean. It's- <laughs> It was the 70s, man, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we cut across, let's see, they discover that it's the Chinese um, spies that are trying to take out all the different agents across the world one by one by putting toothpaste gunk in their eyes and hanging them in water. And uh, he's, again, even the governor of the state, he walks in, he walks in, and the governor's like, do you know that you work for me? Because I don't Yeah, that was a cool scene. Yeah, he's like, like, do you know, do you know you work for me? It's not the other way around? Okay, I'll, I'll call Illinois and uh, have them exhume a body for you. So, well, and Steve McGarrett, I guess this kind of trend of anyone who tried to go up against him directly got destroyed. So throughout the 12 seasons, they had to get more and more creative about how to threaten him. So through his career, he was kidnapped, tortured, blinded, shot at, blown up and survived an airplane crash. Uh, He was convicted of second degree murder, uh, falsely implicated for bribery, racketeering, grand theft, art, murder and extortion. But none of the frame jobs resulted in a conviction. So he's like, Rasputin. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're not going to go up against this guy because he can shoot you three times before you can stab him from two feet away. <laughs> Jack Lord was a badass in this. Agreed. Now, him, you know, randomly crawling down a hatch in the bottom of that boat after, you know, ditching the uh, village people. Was... <laughs> That was one big hairy dude. Yeah. (laughs) 
and he really, really wanted to turn that that pipe or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, um, yeah. I mean, do you do you have any idea how giant those ships are? And like, for him to just randomly stumble upon by just going through hatch after hatch, oh, the yeah. right place. Plus, that's not down there. It's not a place where you want to be crawling around. Exactly. There's like a ton of like giant machinery working that will just crush you. Well, machinery working, stagnant water, probably rats. Yeah. Well, rats rat as big as your your torso. <laughs> at least the water it was explained by the fact that he was banging on the various hatches to make sure that they were hollow, that he wasn't just going to open it up and be drowned. Yeah, that's true. So, did you know that uh, him? I mean, wearing... he, he was a Navy guy, so I guess he did have ship experience. Right. Yeah. That's true. That his background wasn't he? Well, uh, um, are we talking about that character, or are we talking about? Yeah, the character was a former naval officer who was right. uh, recommended by like topic intelligence to head up the special task force for the governor of Hawaii. Oh, okay, because uh, uh, Jack Lord was actually a merchant marine hmm. in real life. In real life, yeah, he was with the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, and they stuck him in Persia building bridges. And he huh. was a merchant marine and reached a rank of able seaman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> poo poo platter. Yeah. I want fifty percent of this fallopian tube. Seaman platter. Gross. I don't want to. Well, <laughs> thank you for derailing me on that one, Pat. Yeah. Did, I, did I just break everybody? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the fact that he wore a black suit in Hawaii was was another uh, thing that people, when they saw the show, I guess they had to be from Hawaii to know it, but uh, apparently it was a big thing. Nobody, it was a mesh suit. You yeah. just couldn't tell. Yeah, he needed to make sure that he was wearing like two more layers of clothes beyond the next person in. Because I don't know if you notice his disguise. Like, I'm surprised that he didn't sweat himself to death. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a like, reason all those guys were running around shirtless, not wearing denim. <laughs> yeah, and he's got like a full shirt, a vest, a cravat. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a, top a hat. Cap. Yeah. A monocle. That's how badass <laughs> Steve McGarrett is, man. He just re- he just <laughs> tells his sweat glands, he's like, you will not sweat. What I love is when they finally decide to go with their plan. They figured out what the bad guys are trying to do, and that they're uh, closing in on control. The espionage officer, who pretty much has all of the compartmentalized knowledge, can crack all the codes, can identify all the secret agents. They're going to set up this honeypot where he's hypnotized to have false information to screw up the Chinese international espionage like agency. Hmm. They get this plan together. And when he finally gets captured and put in the sensory deprivation tank, they've made a big deal that like everybody cracks in four and a half hours. He waits seven to even taunt them to start screaming at them. Yeah. I mean, they were impressed. But after, at near the end, once they started coming up on like hour eight, they're like, we're getting a little worried. <laughs> well, they started falling asleep. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but my whole thing, it was like, what kind of plan is this? I'm like, okay, so this is what they're doing. This whole nefarious thing is like, okay, well, our plan is let's do that with them. Yeah. We'll just send somebody in there that, that's very valuable to us and hope he doesn't go mad and die. Well, they had Steve McGarrett, so what are they going to do? Right. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, what a horrible plan that is. And, like, they're on stakeout and everything, and they just sit there for eight hours and wait for him to, like, possibly go insane. And then they're yeah. finally like, okay, now we'll go in. And, like, the whole, like, false information that is called up by hypnosis was a solid part of the plan. The whole rest of the plan depends on you actually being Superman. Right. Yeah. Not so good. It's McGarrett. Yeah. Come on! But it was, yeah, it is McGarrett. Like, ah, he can take it. But you know, he's the lead in the series. There's no way he's going to go crazy. True. Bye bye. And then the other thing is that the the rest of the police that one okay for some reason or other the Chinese have a German guard, a German uh, ship captain. 
They had to throw them there for some reason. But when he comes out with a <laughs> I think shot, it was Russian, I thought Russian. I thought it was German. I'm pretty sure it was German. Yeah. Was he okay? Yeah, because right. someone called him Hair Captain or something. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But he wasn't. When he he comes out, any of you move, I will blow this whole ship up. And they all stop. I was like, he's got a gun. What's he gonna do? He's, he's gonna <laughs> shoot at the well, back. Why don't you just shoot him? <laughs> and then and then Kono bull rushes. <laughs> Kono's the... like, we've got guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an Aladdin. We've got swords too. It's he just bull rushes the the deck. And shoots him, which that was, you know, a brief moment of glory for the captain there. He's like, they're rushing the ship. What are we going to do? I'm going to run out there and tell them how to blow up the ship. Oh, damn, it worked. It's like, Hawaiian with a shotgun. Watching a serious version of, you know, the sheriff in blazing saddles with a gun to his own throat. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Kono's with him, we'll be fine. <laughs> Damn Kodo's here. Uh, another cool thing about the show is, you know, the old 555 exchange that they use on uh, in movies? Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. They would use real phone numbers. Oh, yeah. It says here they would use actual phone numbers instead of the fictional 555's exchange for the first half of the series run. In 1969 episode Blind Tiger, McGarrett, who had been blinded by an attempt on his life, a criminal bombing his car, asked the hospital operator to connect him to 732-5577 which was the phone number of 50 headquarters i guess in real life that's smart what are they going to do it's steve mcgarrett man <laughs> even, even reality is afraid of steve mcgarrett <laughs> so and then the theme song which is still awesome it's good Okay, that's right, cat. Yeah, I, I, don't know how uh, to I do just uh, dug up something. It's interesting. We're ta- making jokes about Jack Lord demanding percentages of the gross. Well, it looks like that's actually the deal he had with Hawaii Five O. Well, he finally got somebody to bite, <laughs> and then he figured like if they fell for it, I can get everybody to fall for it. He's like Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, give me fifty percent. Yeah, and apparently this made him really hard to work with because he had a financial interest in the show, and to a lot of viewers, he was the star, and everyone else. He would refer to everyone else as with, as in with James MacArthur. They're never called his co-stars. He was the star, and they were always treated as, like, second banana. Well, he had something going there. The show ran for 12 years. Yeah, so I guess it worked out for him. It was kind of like a Carol O'Connor situation, though, too. Mm. Sounds like he was notoriously difficult to work with on All in the Family because he had the attitude, you know, I'm the star. I, you know, I'm the reason people watch this show. You got to, you know, do it my way, make me producer, and all that kind of shit. He wants 50% of the hoagies. <laughs> yeah, well, and he pretty much t- took over as showrunner after uh, the original showrunner died of a heart attack. The executive producer, Leonard Freeman, died uh, seven years into the run. Hmm. So from that point, it pretty much was the Jack Lord show. They also offered Richard Boone. The, of uh, Boone's Farm wine fame? Apparently. And Gregory oh, Daniel Boone fame. Now, as as much as I love him, I don't think this would work. Gregory Peck as... as uh, as McGarrett. Hmm. Well, he would be more the uh, speak softly, carry a big stick kind of McGarrett, I think. Yeah. Rather than the big bravado kind. And if there was a mad dog walking through the middle of town, man, he's on it. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, Pat. That was, <laughs> I was taking a long shot with that joke. That was that was pretty obscure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving so we've on. Got, we've got done with the uh, 1968 to 19 freaking 80 Hawaii Five O original series. I yeah, have one I quick think, question. Mm-hmm. What? In in all the shows we've done here so far, what's with all the two part pilots? Yeah, no kidding. Why do we always pick ones that have two part pilots? Seems like every show that we we focus on, it's always got a two part pilot. Not all of them. Remember, Transformers had three. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, three yeah. parts. <laughs> I think in general, if you've got an ensemble cast, it takes like at least two episodes to tell a story 
story, introduce the principles and make sure that you've impressed people that your heroes are like a badass or whatever. Even though in this one, we barely got to see anything of the other three main characters. They did at least have some scenes. Mm hmm. I think I think the reason that studios and producers will do two part ones is so that way they can hopefully get more of the viewership on the second half. Did you notice? Uh, did you guys all watch this on Netflix? Yeah, yes. I did. Yeah, notice that like the first ten minutes of the second episode was explaining what happened in the first episode. Yeah, it, it was like six and a half minutes long. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, um, but that was the thing is I think they they cashed in on a certain amount of people are going to watch the first episode. They're going to talk to other people because remember there's no social media back then. There's no chit chat. It's all I mean online or anything like that's all people talking at the water cooler. So they had this cliffhanger ending with uh, with Hawaii Five O in the first episode then the second one they give it a week for people to talk about how cool it was and then hopefully they you know they give a little six minute recap of everything that happened and then hopefully get more people to watch it the second time around plus they didn't have uh ways to tape it back then so they had to remind people of you know to some extent what happened the week before because they didn't dvr it or whatever yeah i was trying to explain that to the kids <laughs> back then if you missed it you know because they were they were watching the second half of me and they're like why are they talking so much on this like, because if you missed the first one you missed the first one yeah i mean it, there, it, there's no catching it later on tape or whatever yeah you can't just go to youtube and look it up or anything like that i mean you missed the first episode you you're out so previously on hawaii Five O, the gimp <laughs> so I think that's uh, about it for the original. Yeah, it was a much darker episode than I expected it to be. It was much more like a like a movie than than a TV show. I mean, I just I was expecting a lot more um, beach and sun and frivolity and whatever, and it was it was much more dark than I expected. Yeah, I will give it to you. It, it was it was a lot more drama than just police action than I was initially thinking. Yeah, I think your James Bond reference was actually very apropos. Yeah, I agree. it felt yeah, like a yeah, felt like a Bond flick. Well, uh, part of that's because he was in James Bond, uh, Jack Lord. Oh, yeah, that's right. He uh, was one of the first to play one of the big villains. Yeah, he was Felix Leader in Dr. No. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, he had a little bit going on with knowing how the James Bond feel looked, and he apparently carried it over to television pretty well. Yep. All right. What year was Dr. No? 1962. Okay, so this started six years after he played Felix Leiter. Yeah. Wait, hold on. What year was Dr. No No's? 2014. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back uh, in the closet. You no, actually, actually 2013. Yeah. Sorry, 2013. Because okay. this is our one-year anniversary. Yay. Yes. During the break, I'm just going to be puking in terror. Dr. No Are you afraid of anniversaries? Yes. What does that sound like, anyway? Ah, <laughs> Why are you going to be puking in terror? Dr. No knows. <laughs> well, that's break, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's new. Well, yes, of course that's new. That's sort of what we do here, right? Yes. That is what? the Hawaii Five O two 2010. That came out uh, just a couple years ago. And it's still rolling, apparently. It is. Yep. Oh, I, I just, I, you yeah. saying that, Josh, I just now got the whole 40 going on 14 concept. <laughs> <laughs> Took it's a about, year. About time. Maybe another year he'll keep remembering our names. It's a little slow in the update sometimes. Yeah, season five is um, due to start airing on uh, September 26th, it looks like. Yes. Uh, this one aired in Monday, September 20th, 2010, 
42 years to the day of the premiere of the original show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, in September, it, let's see, September, it launched a pilot by October 21st, one month later. They had been given a full season of 24 episodes by uh, CBS. <clears throat> so, apparently, they liked the pilot. So, this, uh, let's see, this one starring Steve, S- Stephen J. Steve McGarrett. Is played by Alex Lachlan. Am I saying that right? I have no <laughs> idea. Yes. Okay, we'll run with that. Now we have it's good enough for us. Yes. Dano Williams is played by Scott Kahn. Chin Ho Kelly by Daniel Day Kim. And Kona Kono. Wait. Kalakawaka. Kal- oh, I was trying, man. Kamehameha. Hi. Kalakawaka. Wanna hey, You know you wanna lay me. Sorry. So yeah, it's got those four as the uh, the core cast. I like Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's really good. I liked. I, honestly, he was one of the few characters in Lost that I actually cared about. It's also Pat's nickname, Chin Ho. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you do on the Chin Ho. So uh, this one, they bring S- Steve McGarrett's. Uh, McGarrett is uh, the original McGarrett's son, John McGarrett's son. Jack. He, Jack McGarrett's son. He comes back. <laughs> it was like There's so many McGarrett's. Yeah, too, too bad we didn't cover that. You know, yeah, I know. You are episode. not one to talk, man. <laughs> <laughs> you are. But I am constantly high. What is your excuse? He's got you there. Yeah, no, I, got, I got nothing. I, I, all I can say is that I drink a lot of coffee. And that's it. <laughs> Ooh, he's got you, Pat. So, <laughs> the last two <clears throat> words were not necessary in that sentence. <laughs> of coffee? Yeah. You, you stick with I drink a lot. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> now you made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lieutenant Commander Steve Stephen McGarrett, Steve Steve whatever McGarrett. Anyway, that dude, former Navy SEAL, are uh, in the Office of Naval Intelligence. He comes back and uh, to try and take over. They want him to come back and work police work. Yeah, when he first turned the job down, I thought it was going to be a very short pilot. <laughs> right. This is the worst pilot ever. I think he made like, no, but I want it. He just flies away. He's like, all right, well, show's <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that. So uh, he's, let's see, the actor, Alex O'Loughlin. Film career started in 2004 when he landed his first lead role in Oyster Farmer. I think I played that on PS1. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that was a righteous game. Uh, and he screen tested for James Bond, which I'm kind of glad they didn't give it to him. He lost to the far superior Daniel Craig. Yes. The uh, next guy up on the list, uh, Dano, is Scott Kahn, who I was looking up to see, is he related to James Kahn? Yes. He is. Yes. Uh, Kahn was actually... Only by uh, birth, though. <laughs> he was actually a roadie for Cypress Hill and House of Pain. <laughs> oh. Huh. Yeah. That sounds about right, yeah. So he was also a member of the hip hop group called the Hooligans, spelled Who wasn't? W H O O L I G A N Z. Dude, are Jeez. you making fun of Scott Kahn? Really? Hey, with producer and fellow MC The Alchemist, he and The Alchemist, performing as a rap duo of Hooligans, recorded a deal with Tommy Boy Records, and they recorded Mike Make Way for the W. But after their first single, Put Your Hands, H A N D Z, up, the album was shelved and the duo was dropped. <laughs> <laughs> what? Everyone realized this is stupid and stopped. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can't keep playing like this. You're, you're, we're going to have to let you out now. I can't believe you're dissing on Scott Kahn, man. James Kahn is going to come and kick your ass. Now, him I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. I love Scott Kahn. 
<laughs> I don't. Con! Con. Speaking of Star Trek, were we? I just made the reference. <laughs> Con! Scott and Con. that was the only reference to Star Trek that was yeah. made. So I don't know where speaking <laughs> of Star Trek came in. Shut up, Patrick. You can't introduce a subject and then go, speaking of that. And then I said Khan, like like Spock does. Yeah. Or Kirk does. Or Spock in the new one. So Hawaii Five-0. Yeah. <laughs> I am <laughs> having a stroke right now. Do you smell toast burning? Chin Ho Kelly plays, or Daniel Day Kim plays Chin Ho Kelly. Daniel Day Kim, I like. I like him a lot. Did you guys watch the travesty that wound up being lost? Oh, yeah. I, yep. I followed it all the way through. And yeah, I had some issues with the ending, but I was not as anti-lost as most people Same ended here. up being. I've never watched a single episode. Yeah, and... Yeah. What was up with Gene Smart in this this television show? Well, I like I like Gene Smart. That threw yeah, me I off like, from Designing Women. Yeah, I, I like her a lot. When she popped up, I was surprised to find her in this. Yeah, when her name popped up in the credits, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, was that the governor? Like, yeah. Hmm. Seemed out of place to me at first. Never watched Designing Women. I oh, no, Designing she was Women. she was great as the mother on uh, Samantha Who, Christina Applegate show. Never watched that either. It was good. You should have yeah. watched it. Maybe it wouldn't have got canceled if you'd have watched it. Way to go. Yeah, damn it. Because that's what they do. They call me. Uh, well, you never know. All right. So what did we think of this actual pilot? Well, it was by the numbers. It. I mean, come. what order did you guys watch it? Have, have any of you seen the original? I mean, the, the new Hawaii Five-0 before no. this? No. No? no I, I watched the first one first, and then I watched this last <laughs> Okay, but I mean, none of us have like been watching this show before this point. Nope. No, I was oh. actually excited to do this show because it would give me an excuse to watch the new. <laughs> one. Oh yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that, being because I, like I said, I remember watching Hawaii Five O and loving it. I, I just think this, whereas the original pilot immediately throws you a guy in a uh, caution orange gimp suit, this is, like I said, really by the numbers. Yeah, but you've got William Sadler, William Lee. Norman Reedus and James Marsters. You had okay. You had William Norman Reedus for maybe three and a half minutes, but still Norman Reedus. So that saves the whole episode. You had William, William Sadler, Sadler for less than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the Leslie Nielsen thing. They couldn't afford him for too long. It's still cool. It's too bad. I don't know. Got Jack Lord to come play himself. Right. That would have been awesome. Yeah, Wait, is he dead? He's dead. Yeah. Well, that's why I said too bad. Wait. What oh. year did he die? Like 98, 98, I think. 98, 96, 98. He could have came back briefly. Yeah. And Jack Lord in the ashtray. <laughs> no, don't dump my dad's ashes out. No. Uh, There's a lot less drama in that. Yeah, 1998. Damn it. So uh, one of the cool things, Josh, that you will you will dig, Daniel Day Kim is the voice of Johnny Gat from uh, Saints Row. I, in general, I really liked Grace Park and Daniel Day Kim. I was pretty much disappointed by all the white people. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I like Scott Kahn. I did not care for the, the Garrett character in this. I, I kind of thought Garrett and uh, the uh, Dano were kind of doing bad boys only with white dudes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, the whole punching each other in the face. You know, hey, you just got shot for me, and I'm going to ignore that fact for the, you know, while we're briefing each other. And we're going to trade one-liners back and forth, blah blah blah. It just, they were just so boring to me. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, it's by the numbers. It's yeah, we're supposed to. This is what we're supposed to do. Initially, we're supposed to hate each other. One of us gets shot. We're supposed to have more fights, and then eventually we'll be buddies in the end. In the meantime, Grace Park is kicking ass. 
Oh yeah. In a sun. You know what I just realized, Mike? What? You and I, our lives, we we lived a buddy cop movie. Oh Jesus. <laughs> we did? Yeah. We hated each other and then we we became friends. And Josh was the arch oh, villain, <laughs> arch nemesis that eventually became no, he's part Billy, of the group. He's Billy's no. arch nemesis. Yeah. He is woo whoa. Who would be our arch nemesis? Dude. Man? What? Jason Jensen. Oh my lord. That's not Jason Jensen. Jason Jensen, remember he used to walk around the floor wearing the Robocop helmet and pretend he was a robot? <laughs> he, Doing the whole he, every time he moved. He's more of the comic foil. Yeah. He's like the, the cat background character that everybody remembers. James Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Call out his name on the air. Oh boy. Yeah. Don't He's say a, it three times. Yeah. <laughs> James Sharp. Don't. No, it has to be the same person. Anyway. Oh. But yeah, you know, I agree with you. Josh, I think that this the the introduction of the two mains of, of Steve and Dano were just too by the book for a cop show, I guess. I mean, they went through all the same routines, went through the things that we've seen a thousand times before. The Daniel Day Kim starting off as the, I've been humiliated, everybody thinks I took this bribe and I dropped out of the force, now I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm carrying a rubber gun type guy, him coming back in that way. I thought I liked Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park. Grace Park especially, man. She could really swing it around when they were... uh in that warehouse. <laughs> I, I And I think another thing I hate what they do during remakes, and they did it a little here, is when you've got something that everybody remembers from the original, and they bring it back in a way that, where they're sort of apologizing for it. Like, I know this is stupid, but we're going to justify it. Don't do that. No, exactly. I'm not sure. What do you mean? When they went through, like, the whole Bookham Dano thing, it was the origin of the name Dano and, like, the whole way he said Bookham was so forced. It's like, don't have this sheepish, yeah, we got to do this, but we're going to do it. So you're like, ha ha. Yeah. Just own it. People love this stuff for a reason. Don't apologize for the original. No, that's exactly right. Sometimes, Sometimes you have to embrace the camp. There is a reason that the original show, I mean, anybody, in the, it ended in 1980, but any point on past that, you heard the, that um, introductory drum scene from the theme song, you knew exactly what was playing. And yeah. Bookham Dano, you knew exactly what you're talking about. And I agree with you. They should have just taken that stuff and embraced it and ran with it instead of the, um, I mean, making up the whole, uh, not making it up, but I mean, it's part of the plot, but her, my, my kid calls me Dano. That's why, that's why... You know, I said it type of thing. Yeah. And now I'm going to call you Dano because I know it embarrasses you. You know, that's I mean, the action was okay. The action was pretty good, especially the uh, the dude in the warehouse that gets flattened by the truck. Yeah. Yeah. And it really didn't. If I slowed it down and watched it frame by frame, they actually kind of just pushed him out of the way. He didn't he didn't go down. He just kind of moved forward. (laughs) So the the, the scene with the when he's holding the hostage and he caps him in the back of the head. That was shot really well. Yeah, that I mean there was a lot of really cool scenes in there in the action wise. Action wise, but I mean it felt nice. I mean the cinematography and everything was cool, and it had a good feel to it. Well, I think they're trying to keep up with the original on that one also because apparently, I forget they had like a percentage or something on when I was reading up on it, but more than half of the shots from the original Hawaii Five O were on location, which was a rare thing for back then. Because uh, everything seemed to be shot in a stu- it was shot in a studio. Uh, yeah, they said they said about two thirds of what, what they said. Okay. In that yeah, two thirds of the show were actually shot on location, versus you know like uh, Archie Bunker being sh- shot. I don't know why they would shoot that on location at all. I don't know where I'm going with that show. That's the first, 
<laughs> that one popped in my head. I don't know why All in the Family immediately I'm, followed like, yeah, after okay, Hawaii. Maybe they didn't film All in the Family in Queens, but so what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I think they were trying to do with this one. Is that they get a lot of that? Here's Hawaii. Here's the place we're hanging out in, and you know, here's here's the island. So I think they're just trying to keep it. I thought it was a good thing. You know, keeping that. I gotta, I gotta tell you, just um, I was very surprised that they killed the father right away. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that was gonna happen. I was like, they're, well, like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, this is false drama. They're never gonna kill this guy, and then boom, they did. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, a little. Um, but again, not. It was like an oh shit moment, but it wasn't like eh. Oh, I mean, it was I found it a little bit less surprising. I don't know. I just was surprised that they would actually execute somebody like that. They couldn't afford a, to pay a him. Major in a major network pilot, you know. Sure. Well, and I think that if I go back to this and they stop so much of the like main partners throwing wisecracks at each other and get into the characters, I could find it enjoyable. But the pilot just left a bad taste in my mouth. I liked it a lot more than you guys did. No, that was the Malort. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this pilot more than I thought I was going to. I did, too. I was really I was not like Josh. Where I was looking for a reason to watch this. I. I had no desire to ever really see it, but I I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I don't I don't know that I would say it was better than the original series was. We're but. both kind of in the same boat with that. Yeah, it's like I was never I was never actually actually like you know oh I want to watch this or anything. So maybe the fact that we didn't have it built up in our head helped. Yeah, that could have some of it. Low expectations, right? And there's so much garbage on TV nowadays that you know it's it's nice to see something a little different every once in a while. And I mean, just the location alone kind of sets it apart from some of the other stuff. I can say, even though I didn't care for it, if we've got a listener out there that hasn't seen this, maybe they saw the A-Team movie remake. And if you liked that, you'll probably like this because it felt very similar to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd go with that. Yeah, I, can, I, I agree with that one because it's, it's, it's a little bit more cheese in it. I mean, in a way, I don't, I don't entirely call it cheese, but I mean, it's a little bit more of the what you expect. But they kind of almost have to go in the, you know, law and order, NCIS kind of route, you know, JAG, whatever, where it is a little bit formulaic. But for some reason, you know, that just it just attracts audiences like crazy. So, I mean, you have to give a little bit of flair or seasoning to it, but you pretty much have to stick to the kind of the, the, the set menu. Yeah. And, and that wasn't my issue with it. It was it was basically the the bad bad boys impersonation by the two leads that I didn't care for. Like the cop show part of it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. The fight on the, uh, on the docks at the end was pretty cool. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the things I was thinking. I was, I was like, you know, th- that I was like, this show will be a lot better once they get past this whole, I hate you, you hate me. Let's fight, you know, and they start be- you know becoming friends because it's going to come, you know, it's coming. So I was like, you know, in, a, in like three or four episodes, this is probably be a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Which brings up the question, if this is what people expect, you know, like you were saying, Pat, they have to go with like the NCIS. This is what people are expecting. Back in nineteen sixty-eight, people expect Gimpman hung in uh, water. Jeez, and the, and honestly, that that's one of the reasons why that Hawaii Five O was like a cultural icon, and this Hawaii Five O was just another one of the cop shows. Mm. It's fair. I'll give it to it, you. The NCIS Los Angeles would be a nice another one that we could kind of closely relate to this. Yeah, and in, in the way it felt. Hmm. Yeah. But again, it's a cop show. I mean, I'm not going to... It's on... Well, no, it's not on Netflix. I had to hunt this one down. Yeah, this one was a little bit more difficult to to come by. I, I forget what it... Where does... This airs on the same network the original did. It's CBS, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah. 
but they only keep like the last 10 episodes or whatever, you know, or, or the last two seasons, something like that. I couldn't, you couldn't access the first season on the website. Yeah. It was like, I, I tried to watch that. I, I found someone posted it like in 15 minute chunks on YouTube. Yeah. That's what I watched too. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good cop show. I'll give it another chance. Like I said, I'm going to watch a little bit more of them, I think, and, and see if it develops the, you know, like their relationship develops a little better. Yeah. Because if like like you know like you said if they get rid of that you know I think it would be better. Yeah. Well, and this is another uh, Kurtzman and Orsi uh, joint. We kind of talked a little bit about Lost. That's another like J.J. Abrams, Robert Kurtzman, Roberto. Is, is Paul this Orsi. Kurtzman related at all to the comic book Kurtzman? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Joel, what's his name again? Kurtzman. No, the other the one that you're asking about. Kurtzman. No, let's talk about the. <laughs> The comic book guy. Yes, I know who, who Robert. Oh, you're thinking Robert Kirkman. Kirkman. Kirkman that's no, thinking. completely different okay. last names, Mike. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out is what you're talking about. Okay. That was beautiful. Because you kept saying, the, is he related to I'm like, I thought it was. I thought it was the same last name. I'm sorry. We almost broke Pat, though. So that's a, you, that's a good But it, it makes it even better that you give him the attitude when, when he's the one that's correct in the first place. <laughs> I was very confused. Okay. Alex Kurtzman. Yes. <laughs> is the gentleman who we wrote for this. He wrote for Alias. He wrote for Fringe. He wrote for Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he's currently working on The Amazing Spider Man 4. Amazing Spider Man 2 was a producer. Oh. Uh, is he related to another writer? Let's find out. Do, 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 do you like the change up in the, uh, in the, um, Whatchamacallit, the theme song? That was fine. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's married to a director. Nah. I still think the original theme song is better. I thought well, it was cool that they ended up keeping like all of the original names despite none of the original names being ethnically authentic. Like uh, we glossed over some of the uh, trivia from the original uh series, but like a lot of the names for the characters were basically like Chinese food restaurants where the writers ate or like the name of the building where their penthouse was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's here's the really funny thing. Like, this is supposed to be set in the same universe. He's supposed to be McGarrett's son. So basically, both McGarrett's had a partner named Dano. How ironic is that? And both of them had a partner named <laughs> named Kono. Or what? <laughs> Everybody had the. What, what, how how does that happen? Genetics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you understand genetics, Joel. <laughs> is it like math? Yeah. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's exactly like math. Let's just move on. Math is hard. <laughs> Uh, originally they were going to have the actor who played the original Dano, uh, put in a cameo appearance for this, but unfortunately he passed away before filming started. Uh, uh no double Dano, but they did use Jack Lord's car in, in the, the garage. Yes. Yeah. I think it was the same car that he used the last two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think it was, uh, Jack Lord said he would only drive Fords in the show. I think it was. Well, and he only gave him 50% of the car. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's why they had the, they had the uh, tarp over it. The rest of the car was gone. They just had the front end. Exactly. He, he, w- he would have come back to life to do his cameo in the new one if they didn't give him 50% of the franchise. Oh. <laughs> this is also the second time that Grace Park has uh, reprised a role that was originally written for a man. Uh, the first time, of course, in Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. as yeah. Boomer. 
So you're trying to say she's a man? No, I'm trying to say that they need to like replace all like dudes from 70s TV shows with Grace Park because I would be totally okay with that. <laughs> I I would watch Barney Miller with, with Grace Park as <laughs> No, what was the name of the Asian dude in Barney Miller? Uh, Wojcikowski. Yeah. No, you're thinking of Wojcikowski. Oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but Pat said he's high. All in the family with Grace Park as Meathead. <laughs> Oh, but Archie. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? And Nathan oh. Lane as Edith. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Eddie, so. Eddie Izzard as Archie. <laughs> I think uh, I'd watch that. I would, watch, I would definitely watch that. I'm just Nick glad. Yamana. Nick Yamana. Um, so Nick we Yamana. did okay. get to it for uh, watching, preparing for this show. Uh, what's interesting is Wofat, uh, the big villain in the original does show up in the reboot, uh, though not until the end of the first season here in the reboot. Uh, they, Wofat appears exactly 11 times in both the 1968 original and the 2010 reboot. So far. So far, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, just a little more so you, trivia. So if, so if you decided to dine exclusively with villains from Hawaii Five O, would you be on a Wofat diet? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Encourage him. Oh, you are such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Oh, oh, got my eyes now. <laughs> Them's the jokes, folks. Uh, so I think that's a good rap right there. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I got nothing <laughs> now. Yeah, after that, it's all wow. I, I had more. It's gone now. <laughs> Where, where are you going to take it? I mean, <laughs> Pat broke the show. So what are we doing next week? What are we doing? Wolverines! Oh, We're doing no, 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 Red no, Dawn just, again? Just one of them. Yes. Yeah. In honor of the uh, death of Wolverine this month, which uh, the first issue came out just this week, we are going to do a retrospective of the character from his appearance in early X-Men until now through Film Comics TV. Yes. So we're going to read up some comics. We're going to... TV. Oh, yeah, the 1990s X-Men show. Oh, yeah, the, the cartoon? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I was afraid there was a live-action one out there or something that was... Well, and the one that, that uh, Katie and Sophie watched, too. Yeah, there's, oh, a, that one. there's a bunch of them. Wait, are we going to talk about Hulk 181? What? I don't know what that it, is. Is is Hulk a Wolverine? No, he's the original appearance of Wolverine. Well, then, yes. Oh, we probably will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So then, yes, we will. Yay! Yay! Because right. he's got the yellow suit with the cat whiskers back then. Cat whiskers. Yeah, there's like cat whiskers on the side of it. It's crazy. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know what else I want to add in here? Joel, welcome to 40. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. You crossed over, man. Welcome to the group. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, like I've noticed wrinkles and my face dress soup, uh, soup dragons. No, uh, like sagging. I don't know. It's just like weird. in the last two days. Yeah. Yeah. It, like in the last week. It didn't week. hit you all at once. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it sure feels like it. <laughs> you know, the uh, worst part about turning 40 was I, when I realized that I was closer to 50 than I was to 30 now from oh. every, every single day. Oh, wow. Pat, Pat, <laughs> fuck you. Damn it. I, sorry. I didn't. Damn it. Damn it. See, now, uh. now, like right now, I'm eight years away from 50, but I'm 12 years away from being 30. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> now I'm have, a, have a good night, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, way to bring the show down. Yeah, thanks, man. I was trying to make it all happy and shit, and you're like, "Hey, happy <laughs> birthday! Like, happy birthday! One you're year closer to death." <laughs> I had to make up for the big laugh earlier. I had to bring the room down. 
All right. Well, if you'd like to remind Joel that he's about to die, you can call. <laughs> uh, you can send us an email at forty go fourteen at gmail dot com, or you can call us at seven zero eight now wrap. That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven, or reach us at Twitter at forty go fourteen. Yes. Or if you want to uh, search out some other of our shows, you can find us on iTunes, and please leave us a message, leave us a review. You can also find us on Stitcher and on TalkShoe, and now on, well, not now on, but on, and now on Blueberry, we have a promo code. So if you want to start up your own podcast, you put in 40GO14 as your uh, promo, and you will get a little uh, thing. You get like a month free of hosting. Sweet. I wonder if and I can. a reach around. Can I use that? A reach around. From Pat. <laughs> See, I was going to put Always. the code in for me, and now I'm not doing that. You can also find us on Musings of a Geek network with a bunch of other shows including uh, dark angels and pretty freaks and um got another one josh i just oh well best of the worst movie podcast is wrapping up pretty soon yeah. and of course uh, history of bad ideas i hear jerk zeus radio is wrapping up but they're doing a slightly new and different show yes uh, uh best of the worst is also coming out with a new show also so those guys will not be totally gone from us and then if you are around on Saturday at noon, go to Geek Life Radio, and you can listen to our show. It uh, broadcasts every Saturday at noon. Awesome. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Wolverine. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to sound like that. I'm sorry. Wolverine. That's not better. Yeah. <laughs> it's just different. It's not better. <laughs> Wolverine and TV. <laughs> You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Coming into both your ear holes.